Welcome to Machine Learning. That's kind of a cool side effect. I want to talk about computational biology and DNA repair again. I think that this is just an incredible breakthrough. Um, I was reading American Scientific and how the process of repair <coughs> actually occurs. And one of the things that they said, if you just uh, cut a DNA strand and then the uh, uh, and then try to uh, splice DNA into it by cutting it, you have a challenge that you might get additional DNA material in there and it could have uh, different side effects. So, uh, what state is the DNA repair? Well, the state of this is not production. It's still laboratory proof. Uh, however, it does present some interesting approaches to repairing mutations in the DNA. And I, that's the approach I'm going to describe. Okay, so what happens is that you have a, a protein and it's a enzyme, CAS9, and that enzyme goes to a particular point in the DNA strand and nicks the DNA strand at a particular part of the strand. And then there is another component. Uh, it has the DNA that it's strat sugars that it's going to replace and it cuts that DNA out and then inserts a new DNA sugar sequence on part of the strat. Now you have a it's a double helix, right? So part of the helix is cut out and then you have another enzyme that comes in and on the you have a mismatch in in the sugars sequences now from the part that's been cut out and the part that's been inserted in and so what has to occur there is there's another enzyme that comes in and cuts the other side of the strand out, and then the uh, uh, new sequence is bound to the sugars on the replaced DNA segment, and that DNA sugar is then filled and the mutation is corrected. Now what they're 
scientists thinking is that if they could do this repair on the DNA um, in the embryo before it starts to uh, replicate at a certain point. So I'm not sure where they're going to do this. It's not never been done with humans, but the suggestion is is that the embryo state and they repair the DNA sequence and once they repair it that DNA from that point on will then replicate the without the mutation so there's many there's certain mutations that are hereditary that are passed down from father to son and this can be overcome with uh, with the genetic uh, engineering. So one of the big problems they've had is that the enzyme isn't really accurate in terms of identifying the sequence. It can it can once it finds the sequence, it can replace it. And they've proven that that was that is good, but there's some side effects. If it's if it attaches at the wrong area, then you, you know you can cut out the wrong sequence. So there's some side effects to this, but they're hopeful that they can improve the identification of the sugars and uh, get more accuracy. And they've already even proved the number of identifiable sugar sequences and improve the technique of the CSPR enzyme slice and uh, technique for removing the uh, bad DNA. And so we uh, we live in a time where the possibility of of uh, genetic engineering could be used to uh, repair mutation in the human genome. I've often wondered if they can if they can identify the sugar and if you had a computer powerful enough to know the whole sequence that why couldn't it travel down the uh, DNA and <clears throat> identify sequences that are incorrect and then correct it well uh, that would imply that there would probably be a sequence a series of enzymes that would have to come in and repair the the DNA. So they would have to scan the DNA, uh, understand what parts were incorrect, and then begin. Uh, uh, the computer would have to then use DNA enzymes like the CSP, the CS, CAS9 
to repair that particular segment of the DNA. It almost sounds like something out of Star Trek. Uh, I remember w- w- there was one episode where Worf uh, had broke his back, and they used the replicator to build a Klingon spine. It, they digitally printed a Klingon spine and put it in him. And so, you know, the future technology was much better, digital printing of biological structure. And the DNA wasn't rejected. And it's almost like this is what we're saying here is we're going to repair the DNA. And so when the proteins are manifest from the DNA, they are not uh, being manifest from a mutation portion of the DNA. So the correct protein foldings occur, and then from the protein foldings, we we get the uh, different types of organs and bone structures and nerves, nerve structures, and everything works in the physiology of the body. Well, I mean, maybe there's a genetic defect that they can cure for for color blindness. Now, they said that they were hopeful that 89% of the mutations could be repaired. In other words, 10,000 defects could be repaired uh, using the genetic engineering approach to fixing the the DNA because the DNA is the blueprint of life and um, I always found it kind of interesting how the ribosome worked it was almost like the ribosome was a little micro machine and as I read the RNA and then it uh, transcribed it into DNA and how the DNA then uh, combined in the double helix. And the DNA then is read creating uh, protein, amino acids, and from the amino acids, proteins. So there's this complex but simple machinery that could read the biological code, almost like a Turing tape, and produce all varieties of life. Now, one of the things that I had been thinking about is nanomachines. Now, that's one of the problems, is how do you deliver the enzyme to the specific location on the DNA? Well, we're talking very small sizes in uh, and nanomachines have been very simple in terms of their functionality. IBM built one nanomachine where they were able to print the word IBM, uh, but the machine itself was just kind of like a little clock. It uh, moved a atom between two parts 
they built nano machines that had a kind of a piezoelectric effect and could kind of move like uh, like the scylla of a bacteria. And what if they could build a nano machine for the delivery of the CS9 to the specific location on the DNA strand? then you get more of a deterministic approach to solving the problem of delivery. Well, I'm sure that they will move to the cheapest approach. Nano machines are, are something that I thought for a long time would start to transform the world, engines of creation. However, uh, you don't see or hear much about nano machines and uh, usefulness for their application. We do know that there are nanomaterials, but nanomaterials didn't, didn't uh, immediately change the world in terms of material science. We still use a lot of the same material resources that we have always used. And the nanomaterials had the promise of approving the quality of the materials that we were using. And that was supposed to be the next big thing. I didn't see it. If it does exist, it's being applied in uh, particular components, and those components you're not seeing and they were able to reduce the cost and increase the quality of that component. But we don't drive a nanomaterial carbon fiber car. They're too expensive. Um, we don't use graphene, highly structured chips. We don't use special nanomaterials for producing electricity from sunlight. Now, have people thought about these nanomaterials and trying to improve quality? Yes, I mean, quantum dot is the example where they can change the material properties and improve the efficiency of the photovoltaic. And uh, for a little while I was watching Quantum Dot to see if it would move from the lab into production, and I hadn't seen that. And it's always interesting once you start studying a certain sector, like if you start studying uh, nanomaterials, then you'll read articles about really smart people who are thinking about how to improve nanomaterials and apply it to converting seawater into hydrogen or how to improve com conversion from photons to electricity. Um, 
or even to make low-cost habitation. Well, one thing I noticed is that the, one of the big problems behind injecting technology, even if it does exist, is number one, you have to create a market. Number two, the people that will use it or implement it have to understand it. And if they're familiar with uh, using wood, they're going to use wood. Someone will come along and say, we've got a new material that's stronger than wood, that'll last longer, and is cheaper. But the large, the large group, the people that are making most of the money from using a certain material will stay with that material. They don't go looking for substitutions of materials because of the risk. If they know how to use steel, they know how to use wood, they know how to use uh, cement, and they apply that in a particular manner, and they know the costing on it, and they are working to capture a market for that product. And so the, the, that product is positioned in the minds of their consumers of what they want. So they're not necessarily going to use a substitute material until it becomes accepted or adopted by the larger group. And that percentage is probably 10%. So if 10% of the group started using this material, that would account start catching the attention of the larger group to look to see if the quality, the savings, and the uh, risk to convert over are acceptable. I mean, I remember when we were uh, carbon fiber was coming out. That was a long time ago, and they were talking about how carbon fiber was 12 times stronger and still and much lighter, and and uh, cars would be made by carbon fiber to reduce the weight to improve the fuel efficiency. And where it was applied, carbon fiber, you can get carbon fiber, but it comes in the form of expensive sports cars. They applied the carbon fiber there. And so I kind of wonder also with the genetics, the enzyme engineering, if they will not apply that to disease, but they will apply it to uh, improving the output or yields of, say, certain bacterias or increase the food production through genetic engineering or modify for trees to make the wood stronger, uh, the bit trees bigger, etc. So those could be things where biology is modified to improve output. And there's so much of this that 
the market is huge for this opportunity for understanding how the chemical processes work, how the biological processes work, and how the DNA uh, can be used as a programming algorithm. So I, I still find it interesting that there are startups that are receiving billions of dollars for their innovations in uh, DNA, programmable DNA. And could it also suggest that there is a potential for other startups to make money from the platforms that are now becoming available and understand particular components like almost like applications in software where you have consultants who understand particular components or integrations of a technology to build the overall system. And biology could take the pattern of the high tech and we could start seeing the effects of some of this computational biology. Now some of the the claims by early some of the startups are were that they were going to cure disease through drugs, that they could have specialized drugs that would stop certain diseases. We um, we've we've done a lot with vaccines in keeping people from dying of things like smallpox, uh, polio. But have we solved all diseases throughout the world? No, because the cost is too expensive. Even with AIDS, there are medicines that keep people alive and prevent the, the AIDS virus from killing them, but they are very expensive. And some medications are not covered by insurance. And so the challenge of the biotech medicine is how to pay for it because they may be expensive. And the medications may be required to be consumed on a regular basis rather than a genetic fix in the genes. But I think it's interesting that we have made these discoveries. We understand better now. And I think how, how genetic engineering works. We're understanding how to replace sugar sequences. And we can take those replace sugar sequences once they're sealed and live 
normal, happy lives, or our posterity can. We may not be able to with our defects, but possibly the next generation can. And so, uh, will genetic therapies be a part of the early pregnancy? Or will they be repaired, the genetic defect, and then implanted in the womb? It's hard to know which way the science will go and medicine will go, but I'm sure that they're beginning to think about it. And so will medicine become more influenced by biotech and uh, genetic therapies? 